Good people of Los Angeles, welcome to another episode of the FCFC Pod. One year anniversary, baby! Is it an anniversary or is it an apocalypse? Jesus Christ. We tackle these questions and more on this episode. Have you ever had a dark day? Have you ever been with a dark friend? Have you ever just wanted to get real dark with it and watch Slim try to pry you out from the tar pits of La Brea? Did you know La Brea tar pits are called... La Brea is tar pits in Spanish, so it's tar pits, tar pits. Anyways. <laughs> Slim, why don't you hit him with the warning? Ladies and gentlemen, it's a weird night in the backyard of Dweezus Place in Expo Park. The Pendulce men rolled through twice. Helicopters flying, horns a-honking. And just a whole bunch of weird conversation where we just talked about whatever the hell dark feelings we wanted to talk about. And uh, as per usual, we do have potty mouths. We do intend to use them. Uh, so if you're at work or around children where you shouldn't be listening to profanity, there's probably a good place to stop listening. I'll give you about three seconds. You whack motherfuckers. We got duck shit tea on the docket. Duck shit tea, we're eating duck ass. <laughs> Yup, yup, yup. Welcome to FCFC Pod, where two scholars and a dickhead look at the world through a black and gold tinted lens. I am your host, Slim. Sitting across from me is Big Dweez. Don't you mean the exploding world through a black and gold tinted lens? <laughs> dark Dweez, Dark Dweez, Dark Dweez. Dark episode today, guys. Uh, to my left is Josh Sexy Spice. Yeah. Oh God, it's really dark today. <laughs> and we have a special guest in the vi- backyard today. Uh, returning guest, returning friend of the pod, Mr. Pio uh, Pierce Maher is in the backyard today. Yep, yep, uh, how y'all what's doing? up, y'all? I already drank my henny, so cheers with the beer can. Does it have hit the clink as well? Oh, you guys got the clinkies going. And no other guests in the pod. And Pierce has been here before, so no usual first question. Let's see where Dark Dweez wants to take us today. <laughs> I mean, we were talking before coming over tonight, and I thought uh, doing an apocalypse episode was appropriate. But before I get into that <laughs> apocalypse nature of that comment, I got to give a shout-out and inspiration note to my roommate, Signe, who we all know if you come to the backyard. She's a feisty young lady who's a student at USC and very wise beyond her years. And as soon as it was 2020 and I was excited about this whole new decade, new things, guys, we got stuff going on, she reminded me that apparently every 20s in the past, like, four or five centuries, there's been a major plague. So, like, I guess in, like, 1620, 1720, 1820, 1920, and now we're in a new decade of 20s for major plagues. And I just wanted to just sort of leave this one for the table Pierce is a church-going man. Josh has been a church... Or no, Pierce has been a church-going man. 
Josh is definitely a church-going man. Slim went on a religious experience. Uh, why don't we just get super deep with it, guys? And are we or are we not at the edge of the apocalypse right now? And uh, it's all going down. <laughs> um, shoot. I mean, if China has anything to say about it, we're all gonna die. And, you know, I mean, so, so okay. There, there. See, this is this is this is the first thread here. Um, my other roommate. Shout out to Hikaru. The uh, computer science wizard here, PhD student. He tried to convince us a couple nights ago not to go to Hot Pot. We were gonna go eat Chinese Hot Pot, you know, it was like the new Chinese New Year. I'm like, let's go eat a Hot Pot. He's like, do you mean in the San Gabriel Valley? And I was like, yes. And he's like, oh, um, I'm not sure if that's a good idea. And I was like, why? I agree and he's be- with him. And he's like, because of the the virus. And I was like okay so does that mean you're out and he's like well it's complicated because if you guys still go i could still get infected so i'm just trying to convince everyone not to go. <laughs> and i was like no uh i don't want to live in a world where i'm not allowed to go eat hot pot so if the virus is coming for me then so be it but i'm eating my damn chungching hot pot mala whole gore getting my little you know dips in getting the spice on my tongue and uh if it if that it means that i have to die because of it so be it where do you, where's your stance on the, the virus guys are you, are you ready for this to hit you are you guys gonna wear masks by the way from what i'm reading on foreign policy don't wear masks unless you're changing them every day because uh apparently the moisture inside the mask is also yeah those masks ain't good. doing shit for you they're yeah, not doing shit for you and, and the moisture actually makes it more likely for you to contract viruses yeah and asians when they put on that mask it's not them trying to like mask themselves from disease it's them masking themselves from everyone else because they're sick so when asian people are doing crazy shit it's usually because they're being uh, considerate so fuck you guys <laughs> <laughs> but as i was saying um, no but in all honesty like okay there's a there is a serious virus no, and people are seriously I'm only affected. going to like albertson's i live right. in san gabriel Valley. so you are really <laughs> a little bit man i mean your behavior is changing Nah, I don't really go out that much shopping in markets anyways. <laughs> is your behavior uh, changing, Pierce? Not yet, but it's going to need to soon. Yeah. Like, what will it take for you to change your behavior? Someone dying from the coronavirus. In, in California? Yeah, in Southern California. Just one person? Yeah. Just one person. That's all it takes. What if it's like an old elderly grandfather who has like a weak immune system? Or a young child? You know how long Chinese people be living? <laughs> 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 oh, I don't know, man. I'm over here trying to be bright, dark dweez. Josh, tell me, come on, are you concerned about this? I mean, we're all dead anyways. Yes! That's my guy! That's my guy! We often speak about dark dweez, but dark Josh, Josh is, here, is like and here, he's... here right now. No, no, I think, I think, <laughs> while we talk about, I mean. But it's, it's true, it's, you're right, no, we are. Hey, no, it's, this is my thing. It's tough, because I've been on Twitter. So I see both the reaction from like, you know, mm. like the memes of it, but also like, and this is like, oh, fuck, I hate being this guy, but it's like, let's not racialize the problem as, as mm. I think oh. a danger in food n- normally comes through, you know? And just, I think because naturally stereotypes begin to arise in times like this and, and why conditions are in, in the way and such. And like for you to have already been to China and you, have told me about you know the various kind of conditions or situations it's at. I just want to caution us against like yeah it, of course. this, beco- of this course. becomes of ugly course. real fucking quick as, as of course. When, we, when, we, when we say no to hot pot yeah it's a gateway drug into to larger 
hate-filled discrimination. I, <laughs> I want to put a caveat on there that Hikaru is Chinese. Uh, yes, that's right. And Signy is also Chinese. That's Hikaru not irrelevant to the... Japanese-ass name for a Chinese I was about to dude. say that. <laughs> well, he grew up in Japan. I know. But his family's Chinese. But anyways. Um, so no, I, 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 com- I, love you. I completely agree. And uh, I also went and got... I go to a massage place in K-Town that does Chinese massages, which has helped me, like, all the reflexology stuff... Marathons, the 50 mile, all these running things require serious destroying of my calves. So you go and you get your legs beat on, and um, you know it was the same. But it was they, my my good people there were all concerned. Uh, <laughs> obviously. All right, I just want to point something out. <laughs> Josh busted such a super Asian move right now. You guys know if you ever eat yeah. with Asians, the last piece of any type of food that's there will be left alone till. They come clean it up, and someone's like, "All right, I'm just gonna go the, for it." Right? I thought you were about to say until the apocalypse. <laughs> <laughs> and Josh is out here pouring out the last bit of henny, and he literally tried to leave like a quarter of a shot. Yeah. <laughs> All I'll say is we've dusted enough bottles of henny for me to lose that precaution, but uh, I wanted another round after this. All right, all right, that's you all you. It. That's all you. It. I, I mean, I like going all at once. But anyways, <laughs> hey, Asian people, take the last piece of food. God damn it. <laughs> Yeah, we don't know how long any of us are going to be here after all. Yeah. Enjoy, enjoy it. <laughs> I'm just going to keep reminding everyone of your forthcoming We're all death. Die. Yes. Hey, Padose man here forever, though. That's yeah, what it I doesn't know. matter. The <laughs> apocalypse can come and go, and the Padose <laughs> truck remains. Um, no, but. So. Okay, like. W- when and if, like, any. This current scare of the virus or some other thing, like, do you guys think that you'll see the end of the world in your lifetime. It's funny because at one point in my life, I thought for sure. Y2K, Y2K. For sure. Not, necessarily, Y2K? Y, not necessarily Y2K, but I thought for sure Y2K. just... Whatever the hell them Aztecs were saying was kind of wild, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's like I've always been comfortable with death. But never comfortable with the people that I'd be departing with. What do you mean you've always been comfortable? Okay, with not death? always, but like <laughs> I don't know. Everyone goes through everyone goes through dark times in their life, and and then you know, if you're really unstable enough, you start thinking about death and what that means to you and how comfortable you are with it. And you know, coming from a Irish Catholic family, that's you know shoved down your throat and comes out the other side with those rosary beads that you have to hold every night when you're on your knees praying to the Lord and Savior, but. Uh, I don't know, just for me, like, there was points when, you know, things were not bright and shiny, and there were points where I was like, you know what, I'd be more comfortable, you know, getting hospitalized, getting hit by something else, like a bus or something, who knows, Mm -hmm. than dealing with what I'm dealing with right now, and, you know, that's obviously not a healthy thought. But I think think it's like a rather normal thought. I think a lot of people are. I mean, it's, it's, you're, you're dealing with the circumstances dealt and, you know, you're trying to find a way to move on. But you never thought, like, when you were younger, especially, you never thought, like, oh, damn, the world is going to end and, like, I'm going to be in it when it ends. Well, let me just say this. I have two parents that for sure believe in my lifetime, the world will kaput. Shout out to Timmy Maher, a former guest of the podcast. <laughs> Go back and listen to his episode if you want to hear uh, more about Ireland. That's incredible. But, I'm imagining Tim, your Timmy talking to you about that. I just yeah. realized, so this is the end. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. The end I mean, the this same is the same tone of voice that he talks about Roy Keane with. Exactly. 
<laughs> the, 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 end, the, the bringer of the end is Roy, Roy Keane for anyone else listening. Well, but I think the, you know, it's... Okay, so I've never thought that, that the world will end in my lifetime. Maybe I'm just a generally optimistic never. person. Never. You never, never thought that. Never, never. Even never. in, like, the most darkest Josh of circumstances or, like, when certain world tragedies happen. Yeah, anything. for sure. And I think that leads to, like, how, how safe and my upbringing was and how privileged I was and, like, naturally looking at the hopeful side of things. And I think, you know, if apocalyptic language here will kind of... Um, inspire or evoke like religious undertones right and yeah I think it has to as, yeah. as someone who who grew up in the church as well and is still going to church and is very much you know a believer in a lot of ways i think this is my thing so the way that you're talking about but the end is near the end is coming has been something that has been with faith or the christian mm-hmm. faith at least since jesus came right it's, for it's, sure it's a it's a he was talking to it as as kind of a measure of stay ready for the end mm-hmm. because it's near and the second coming and all that and this is and the redemption of the world, all that good stuff. My thing is, the thing I really detest and hate is when, um, you know, like, not even, like, the doomsday cults, right, that are just shacking up in, in the, the hatches and war hatches and all that, but when when churches go above and beyond to be like, man, this is like, you know, it's in the tea leaves, essentially, like, to be like, all the things that were supposed to line up about, you know, trouble in the Middle East and the famine and the diseases happening, right? Signs. Like, yeah, the signs of, of mm. impending doom. Um, they're happening, so, like, let's uh, let's really just, like, hunker down and give up on the rest of our lives so we can really get the, the spirit straight. And I think while getting the spirit straight is very important to me, I think it's that in itself is, in my opinion, in, uh, kind of an act of cowardice because you've given up on this world that we're, we're, we've been meant to... to caretake and, and to really, really make improve and be better, right? Mm-hmm. And I like to say that even since the times, and this is my own understanding of timelines, is like since the times of Christ, there's been apocalyptic mm-hmm. events, like you're just saying, he was talking about every, every 20 something crazy happens, right? Mm-hmm. So this has happened all the time, and, and I think to take what is to be said is like be ready for it and, and understand that it's coming and prepare yourself, but like do not give up on the world that we live in. I think it's, it's a place that it, we're born in a certain time for a certain reason and the optimistic and the hopeful part of me is that we are equipped currently to deal with tragedy and, and to really make it and to really impart this world better, right? And while I am still preparing for <laughs> an end time in a certain way in my own way, I think for me to think that this is the end is, is rooted in the selfishness and, 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 and an idea that I'm more important than I am, you know? Mm. And so I think that's, that's an important, at least for the, 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 the faith believers out there, it's like, yeah, stay, stay steady, stay, 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 stay vigilant on that, but also like, man, love this place, man. Love this place, make it better. And um, I think if we think like that while still having that in the back of our heads, like this could be the day, like we'll all live, live better for it. Only the eternal optimist, Josh, even in the first segment of the Apocalypse Pod, could flip it around and talk about all of the, c- the good a, that can come. This is a call to the altar right now. I wasn't expecting the, the, the bright light to come until segment three, Josh. We're, we wanted to go further <laughs> down. We wanted to go to Dante's Inferno. No, no. We're only like on layer two of the seven layers of hell, so sure. I wanted to go further down, get our contrapassos. Slim. What the hell is a contrapasso? It's a punish. It's a specific. It's an Italian word for a specific type of punishment that is inflicted <laughs> on you in the afterlife, based on whatever the sin was that you committed. So in other words, like now if I stole. Like no, if I stole. <laughs> 
Yo, this is in the Inferno. Read the Inferno, people. Go to your classics classes, all right? Yep. Dante, motherfuckers. I had to read that in high school. So what the hell's reading? So you know he's traveling with Virgil down the seven layers of hell, sure. and he like meets these people and like okay, say you stole something. I don't remember the exact contrapositions, but for example, say you stole or you you know what? Say you sold LAFC supporter tickets for double the price, and you were a member of a supporter group and of the thirty two fifty two, and you you sold them for like eye gouging prices, like yeah. you sold them for four hundred dollars for the Galaxy game sure. or something, right? So to a Galaxy just... supporter, no less. So in oh, hell, this that is a guy will place in hell. no, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, and, yeah, and the, yeah, spe- yeah. And the special <laughs> place, no, in the special place, he receives an exact inverse, like Experience. like treatment of sure. what he did. So let me try to think of what that would be. So that's like in in the hell, <laughs> the he, tickets getting robbed. He got. He got news that LAFC won all the championships, yeah. but he was not allowed to know any details. And he wasn't not, this person wasn't allowed to go, right? So it's like this hell of like, oh, he doesn't even get to like enjoy yeah. the thing that he loved so much. Even right? as a graceful, he or she. merciful person, like that's not enough, bro. They, they, yeah. But you know what I'm saying? Much yeah. I could design worse contrapassos, <laughs> but like, you know, if you stole something from someone, you stole someone's sure. whatever, then they'll like, in hell, they'll like steal that from you. Like you tried to like, you like would watch people's houses and steal stuff out of them, so in hell they would like steal your eyes. So it's kind of like, um, have you, you guys have all heard of the show Black Mirror, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. There was that one episode where, um, like, this person kept having shitty things happen to them, but everyone in the town around them, instead of helping, they were just recording it happen to them on their phone. Mm. Because in a past life, that person, Did instead of helping people? someone through a crime, was recording it. Ah. So the whole thing is... Yeah, that's exactly like yeah, it. I'm yeah, sure yeah. that was inspired yeah. by the Inferno. But I digress from my Dante Alighieri quotables. Slim, have you ever thought the world was going to end in your lifetime? Yeah, uh, like, you know, the Y2K. Uh, then there was when the Aztecs... You know, like, you, you have those moments where it's like, is it going to? Like, not really, like, I fully believe it. Mm-hmm. But, like, in, like, you know stoned moments you're like hmm are we all going to die um, passes through the imbalance but I'm a little different where like honestly like the thought when I was younger I don't know maybe around high school and whatnot, when I would think about death and the afterlife and whatever it would give me anxiety so I would just block it out like, mm-hmm. I don't want to think about that shit yeah so just turn on TV or whatever so I'm, I am kind of still like that where I'm just like I don't want to think about what's going to happen I'm just going to enjoy what's going on now mm-hmm. um but some people like br- brutalize themselves. Like the more bad news they are, the more they want to watch the bad news, yeah. right? Like there are people who just like give me all of the details about every disaster going on right now. What do you think? That I've, I I'm not that type of person, but I, I'm curious to know like where does that come from? Does it come from that? Uh, and if you are that type of person, sorry to say this, but does it come from that very selfish desire to want to see the world end while you're alive? Because it's like a a seminal so moment in this the time of existence is there like that ego part like they want to see some sort of reckoning they want like like the people sometimes said that like donald trump got elected as well because people wanted to see like what the disaster looked like, mm. like yeah, just because it was like entertainment versus like the mundanity of existence or their inability to find meaning in current existence find a way to make the world a better place whatever like then the opposite, then they want to see what's going to go, but the opposite, because this whole, like, neutral shit just ain't doing it for them, you know? I think it's human nature to be attracted to shit shows and wrecks, and, you know, it's why we like dark things like werewolves and, and vampires, and when we see a car crash, we have to stop and see how and fucked up it. it is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Humans just have that thing where 
they get attracted to wreckage. Mm. And I think that's just part of it. What do you think, Pierce? I don't know. That's an interesting perspective. I think that, uh... I think that misery loves company, not to be corny one-liner, but... Mm, sure. I think that, you know, a lot... I think I kind of agree, actually, a lot with Josh, what Josh was saying, with people that are self-centered and people that can't remove themselves from an event <coughs> and then observe the event from a different perspective. Um... I mean, I know that that takes a lot of work internally to be able to fully remove your experience, your feelings, your connection with something, and then try to see it from a different lens. Um, but with, with negative events, I think when some people have maybe not had things a little too easy, or they've never experienced turmoil without support, I think that for people that maybe don't have self-confidence, I think that can be, yeah, a pretty crippling experience where maybe they go as far as saying the world is going to end. Mm -hmm. What does the footballing apocalypse look like? What does that look like? Is it already, has it already happened in the UK? The more and more I hear people have negative experiences at like Highbury, I mean, I'm sorry, the Emirates, uh, Stamford Bridge, like the more this thing becomes like this commercialized like run around the more like because apocalypses come in different forms right, right like, of course. you have micro apocalypses all the time your favorite restaurant closes down it's like oh fuck where are we going to go for like whatever it's like the world's coming to an end because right. I can't get my damn well I, I think like racism and hooliganism like it's insane that that stuff to me is still happening granted you know I live my, the majority of my life in Los Angeles, a very diverse city, but the fact that that stuff hasn't been kiboshed and hasn't had more severe consequences is like makes you feel like that, blow, could, that blows could still, my brain. Cells. That could still eat football alive. Yes, because it's still it, it is for some people that have to deal with that. I mean, we don't know because obviously the color of my skin is of you know the lightest pigment, so I don't have to deal with any of that. Mm. And just for the record, I claim pink, not white. <laughs> but the fact that, I mean, and the glorification of hooliganism is, is just, at this point, downright disgusting. And, and uh, like, I understand why it's been glorified, but the fact that the narrative hasn't, there hasn't been a stronger stance on changing that narrative is, frankly, disappointing. Um, and, like, I don't want to go into the depths, deep, dark depths of what FIFA is and sure. the corruption <clears throat> and all of that, but... You know, it's always a reflection of leadership, and and at this point, there needs to be some huge, drastic consequences for what's happening if they're ever going to have a chance at fixing it. And yes, they they've made improvements, but is improvements enough? Are the improvements enough? I would beg to argue not. I think this is the the you mentioned racism, Pierce, and I think this is not even a solve of it or tooting fucking capitalism horn right here, but it's... Let, let's take the Syria, for example, right? Which has been mm -hmm. lambasted online for really horrible racist incidents against black and Muslim players in very recent times. This is only coming to our attention because of how widely televised and how accessible the game is at the same time, right? And so... Without being like fucking better exposure and like all knowing the fucking downsides of that and capitalism and how it's destroying the club that we love and United, but <laughs> it's like fucking hell. Like people were 
Serie A is probably just as racist as it, it, was, mm-hmm. as it always was mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. was doing all these demonstrations as it always was as Siri is asking me what I'm talking about on my phone right now. It's, but at the same time, it's like the rest of the world is aware of it now, what they choose to do and how Ultras respond once Coca-Cola removes the sponsorship has always kind of been the big example, right, of, of, of Olympic scandal or World Cup fucking d- disgustingness, right? But I think it's an interesting question to pose because, like, the racism in the stands has been apparent since the beginning of this game, right? Uh-huh. And because it's as what we love to talk about here is it's just as much cultural as it is anything on the X's and O's end. So how we discuss this further on a large scale is, I mean, this is the kind of, this is the bed we've made. Mm-hmm. And I think that there might be some things that we can, um, we can come uh, attack it with, right? And I right. think that's something we're talking about with even... <coughs> With full disclosure, it's like with the kind of the rising sun stuff that's happening across, you know, across football and even <coughs> in the league right now. The Tigers are in discussion with the MLS and the Philadelphia Union right now because we're um, their away kit has a rising sun design motif on it, right? And they're only listening to us essentially because Instagram is powerful and LAFC, in in their understanding of it, has has understood that this is incorrect or wrong and education is needed, and so. There's a back and forth going on precisely because the platform is large enough where if we share it, there might be angry enough people throughout Asia to, to understand that this is incorrect or wrong. So, yeah, I mean, it, I think it's... Well, I mean, I think thinking about the... You brought up the Italian situation. If you watch the Maradona documentary, it's pretty wild the way that, like, Juventus supporters and the supporters of the North yeah. of Italy treated the, like, Napoli... That was some of the wildest shit. Mm-hmm. Subhuman. Like, Damn. Yeah, yeah like uh-huh. subhuman, like take a shower. Like there was some crazy science like <sighs> that. And they were like, have, and I was just like, I didn't know. I've never been to a game in Syria. And the times I've gone to Italy, um, I haven't been able to like even like tour a stadium. Although I usually do that when I get a chance to go. But we yeah, to know, to know it, it had been going on ex- in extreme versions since, you know, at least since then, if not always. Right. Um, and it took the Netflix documentary for, for me and you to see it, right? It's, mm-hmm. And that's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it, it comes part and parcel with with what the fuck we're, we're growing it's into. It's HBO documentary. Excuse me. There is a Netflix <laughs> HBO documentary. <laughs> well, what's the, what do you think the football apocalypse looks like, Slim? I mean, like, we've got commercialization, like, eats shit up always and, like, yeah. destroys culture and eats it alive. But then you have, like, these underlying, like, human bullshit stories that have existed for a long time that, like, commercialization can also help fend off, it sounds mm-hmm. like. I mean, I think it comes down simply to something that the MLS has that the rest of the world doesn't in football is the biggest enemy of faith and progression is experience. You know what I mean? They have this long history of this is how it's done, and they're not willing to to progress with the times because it is what it is. Mm. So, yeah, it's anything. That's something that I picked up along, you know, uh, during my time to go to church and stuff is that people, like, when you're when you're moving in faith, you you don't necessarily have a full structure. You just go with it. You go with what's what you're feeling and whatnot. Whereas the rest of the world that's have had football for a hundred years in these traditions, they can't just switch things up on a whim because people are like, no, this is just how it is. And people that have been in something for a long time don't necessarily like change. Hmm. So mm-hmm. I think that that could be a part of the you know. Wait, say that again? You had some wisdom right there. Faith? What is it? Faith uh, plus... Um, the biggest enemy of faith is uh, experience and progression. 
Or, the biggest enemy to faith and progression is experience. Hmm. So, like, once someone's been doing something for a long time. Yeah, they're not willing to conform to, like, new studies. You know what I mean? Yeah. Whatever it is, it's, it's just they're stuck in their ways. They're stuck in their ways, y'all. The apocalypse is nigh. Or it's already here. That's I mean, the my fo- theory. The football apocalypse. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> I didn't want to. Well, we to <laughs> Thanks. I've been waiting for somebody to ask me. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> Why I, are you kidding, bro? That's exactly what you're waiting for. Go. Yeah, yeah. Go ahead. <laughs> you, you've asked yourself. All the Go questions ahead. I've ever <laughs> asked. Is here, you motherfuckers. Listen all, up. All the questions I've ever asked have only been tricks for people to ask me questions back. We figured this out as, as, as many times as we've been around this podcast. No, uh, yeah, the apocalypse is already here, guys. It's already, it already happened, so don't worry about it anymore because it already happened. It already happened. Like, we've been living in the apocalypse probably our whole lives. Yeah. Yeah. The day so. you're born is just a, another day closer to your death. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, yes. That's true, too. But the worst is over. <laughs> the worst is over because it's always I heard been that there. before. Oh, so you might as well man. enjoy yourself. I'm kind of on the Josh tip, but more so like shoulder shrug version. Get out there and change the world. Or just at least have a good time. <laughs> and on that note, this has been... No, I'm just kidding. On that note, we're going to take our first break. And football podcast really is Liverpool winning fucking the, the, yeah, the Prem and the Euros. Oh, I don't mind guy. that. I don't mind that. I mean, yeah, of course you would as, as they, As long as they lose at least one game and my uh, semblance of a perfect world in 2003, 2004 still exists, then yes. If that's no, going to be the case, yeah. if that's going to be the case, who are they going to lose to? They're going to lose the game. To who? Probably Burnley. Probably. This is the episode title. It's probably Burnley. Probably the <laughs> On that note, we're going to take our first break. Back here, oh, shit. FCFC pod doing the one host clap. One host clap. As I hold my, what am I doing? I'm holding my lighter <laughs> to my my head as um as comfort. Uh, right it's a dark week. It's a dark week. It's a dark week, and I think you know what I was um after I heard the you know tragic news of um Kobe Bryant and. His daughter and the other passengers on the plane, on the on the helicopter, who who, who passed. I think um, it's it's what I think. Maybe in a different time, like we we would all be turning on our TVs and like listening to you know, late night or what Letterman has to say about you know this the tragedies and stuff like that. And I think um, for the first time, maybe with people as we are just inundated with news all the time, I was like, I don't know if anyone should talk about it, you know, right away. And um, this is me as someone who. Wasn't a Laker fan, so I can't imagine what the what the Laker community is going through, Los Angeles born and raised community is going through. But um, um, I heard a couple podcasts and just talking about the man's life and his legacy. And I think, um, man, beyond all things, like it's a human thing, man, to really just talk about it as a measure of um, trying to measure and understand grief, you know. And I think um, it's important. And so we wouldn't be doing this. I know that um, Sam, even in our chats earlier in the week, has been really um, adamant about being like, we're not ready to talk about this. And so I think with all the end of the world talk that we have and just understanding, I think I really understand now how important it is to talk about certain things, you know. And I think 
um, this COVID thing is 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 man. You feel the you feel the echo and the heartbeat of Los Angeles just just thumping for 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 this man who is um, as someone who's on the outside. Like I can maybe have a different view, but like the most important public figure in Los Angeles, right? Like yeah. that's that's who he is. That's what his legacy was. And I think even as someone who wasn't a wasn't a fan of his team was. I was looking forward to the next um, 40 years of Kobe Bryant in the public world, you know? And um, it's still hard for me to um, see that it's real. And even my friends on the East Coast were texting me and just being like, are you okay? But also like, what's the mood in Los Angeles like? And I was just saying like, I don't know how you can measure this other than two, you know, uh, such a crazy tragedy, you know, that we face in the past. So. Um, I really want to give it up to I think um, to, to, to Slim and Pierce here who have you know such a such a love for that community and such a love for that that man and um, understanding how you guys have been processing through it and um, the only thing I'll say is like the only good that's come out of it is really that the people have been People have been just talking about, you know, what it means to uh, honor him. It's really just like, you know, like, uh, <laughs> do the things you enjoy, love the people you love, and um, never go at it half-assed, which was the man's fucking, you know, manifesto through and through. And so, um, yeah, with that said, I just want to give it up to kind of Sam and Pierce, who I'm sure, I mean, we've, we've, we're have we all in the same kind of TSG chat. We just talk about stupid shit most of the time, but I think this one was really, um, you know, I was waiting to hear from, like, men that I respect in my life were just like, this man was everything to them. So, yeah. Now, uh, which one of you guys want to kick it off? Though? Um, I mean, yeah. Kobe was everybody's childhood. Uh, I mean people our age, I think that the generation we came into was a little after the showtime, the little buffer period. It was, um, you know, Cedric Sabalos, Eldon Campbell, Eddie Jones, Lottie, um, Anthony Nick Peeler. Van Exel, you know? Uh, and, you know, back when Lakers were on KCAL 9 and whatnot, um, it, it was something, it was the first sport that a lot of people fell in love with you know baseball was a little slow for kids um ice hockey still had a little yellow highlighter on the puck um you know nfl i, I you know i don't think the nfl was as popping in la as the south um so yeah basketball was our first love uh and you know probably starting from like fifth sixth grade is when you know like the 17 year old kid came into this on the scene and had a cool name and uh you know at first it, it wasn't it wasn't a, it wasn't smooth sailing to start and someone that worked their ass off to to become the great icon that they are today it's it's hard not to do anything but just to sit back and, and respect it and appreciate it and i'm pretty sure everyone had the same reaction when it first happened it's just like all right no way kobe's dead then you see helicopter crash and we all know as Kobe fans growing up that helicopters is how he got around so it, it hits you right away like oh shit it, it's something that makes sense it's also something that if you're gonna put out a hoax to, to kill Kobe Bryant it's probably the one to go for 
So I was actually um, in Big Bear when I heard the news via my phone just blowing up. Um, yeah, man, it's. I think I, I was hiking in Big Bear right before we started driving down. And the whole drive down, I was just numb. I wasn't thinking about it. I just had the music blasting. And then after I dropped off my friends and then started driving home and threw on 710 ESPN, you just start hearing people talking and you're just hoping nobody's driving next to you is seeing you because you look like a jackass just fucking bawling at your steering wheel. Um, yeah, man, this this guy in, in the city of L.A. where there are so many people that come from broken families and whatnot, he was an older brother figure, a father figure to so many um, that came with a set of principles and morals that any man should live by. So he was bigger than basketball. He took L.A. on his back when we weren't winning shit. Um, I mean, he personified what it means to be like a real man from L.A., and we will forever be grateful for that. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> just as you hear everyone recall their memories or recall their story, and you know, with all the media that's... I mean, I was literally watching the Pro Bowl. I not even watching the Pro Bowl. I had the Pro Bowl on while I was making breakfast. And my girlfriend had already told me. And she's like, before she told me, she's like, look... I had some really bad news. And, like, whenever someone says that, you know, it's like, oh, shit, should I sit down? Like, and I was just like, no, just just tell me. Like, what is it? And she kind of, like, made me guess through it. But I had the same experience as Sam. You just you don't believe it. Just a refusal. <coughs> because that's not the way Kobe goes out. He's a Laker for life. He's going to change the community. The time he had as an adult without fully being committed to basketball was, what, four years? Not even? Yeah. Kobe had his whole life ahead of him. To live those foundational pillars that he displayed for us for 20 years with every ounce of energy he had. And that's why it's so heartbreaking. Is he was going to be able to be at home with his family, an active father in his kids' lives. And that was what he was most excited about. And it doesn't matter where you come from, what culture you are, that speaks to every tongue and every tradition. And he cared. It wasn't it wasn't lip service. It wasn't how can I get something out of this? He he genuinely cared. And and not just about anyone, but everyone. From officials to reporters to teammates to business staff to financial people, people in entertainment. Kobe was all the same. And for someone to genuinely do that, not just in their profession, but in their daily life, actively, it it was a very special 
person. And there aren't many like him. And so his the news of that happening that shook the earth. And whether it was a media wave or, or a wave of emotion that is still very present. <coughs> um, it's just been, it's been nice, but it's been very moving to hear the stories. And the way, the three things my dad said you always have to do. So whenever there's a wedding, you have to go. Whenever there's a funeral, you have to go. Because all they ever would have wanted were for you to get together and tell those stories. Or at the beginning of a, of a union of two people's lives, that you get to be there for the kickstart of it all. Because that day doesn't happen ever again. And that moment I doesn't happen. Get a lot more <laughs> these days. <laughs> Truth. Truth. Still a dark episode, guys. Let's not be too uplifting here. <laughs> But has there been a public figure in anyone's like life here? Has there been a death that was anywhere near this, like a public death? No, mm-hmm. nothing like this. No. And I mean, a lot of basketball's biggest icons are still living, aren't they? Yeah. Jordan, Kareem. Jordan, Kareem, the dopest, Wilt. The dopest thing about the stories that are shared after are people that actually knew Kobe rarely was it about basketball mm-hmm. you know what I mean um, he did so much post basketball even in that short four or five years um, yeah the trajectory was set for him to probably have one of the greatest post basketball outside of like magic you know what I mean um, so someone that was that great that people are somber over lost potential is something amazing, in my opinion. So, yeah. Josh, you've been a sports fan your whole life. Has, has there ever been even an athlete in any sport that is, like, someone passed and it was something even in this ballpark? No, no, and I can, I think, confidently say that. Like, even my guys from the East Coast have been talking about, like, they're trying to understand this and, and kind of gauge it in a scale that they'd understand and it straight up would be like someone as close to um, a Derek Jeter right who was mm-hmm. my that's, that was my childhood and that mm-hmm. was my captain that was my my super it was God on, on the on the on the baseball field mm-hmm. going at it but even with um, it's weird there's, there's a lot of parallels between the two because I think um, I mean they both won five five championships they mean so much to the city, um, but it's we. I don't know something about Los Angeles is really interesting because uh, there was always um, I don't know. There's there's a weird distance between Derek and the rest of the fans. Like we all knew, like he lived in the city somewhere, but in the city of so many people, like mm-hmm. you would never run into him. And the stories that you only hear about him are through like you know like TMZ or like back back reports and stuff like that. For for some reason, I think um, since being out here in LA, like this something about the city and their their athletes that they understand them on a really intimate level and um yeah just the way that i think 
we understood what a my friend was just telling me over the phone like what a what a stan was was like LA fans with Kobe right we're just like he could do no wrong like he is essentially like our son you know and so whatever misgivings he had or whatever things they like they would look past it and they'd see only Co- like Kobe in his greatest moment and um, it came from such a place of love that I've never seen that as a, from for a single athlete right who was and it's interesting because Kobe was looked at as a selfish athlete for mm-hmm. his entire career mm-hmm. but for the people in this city of how many million people loved him like a family member and so it's it's weird man I think as many people as like you know in, across the world are grieving right now there's something about being in Los Angeles at this moment to know understand that Jesus like this was like they lost what Samson they lost their brother they lost their father figure you know and um, this that communal hurt could only be spread out around a big city like Los Angeles like it's it's crazy to think you know it could have been like any college athlete or high school athlete who's beloved but like it could that this burden of a man losing his life at such an early age with his I mean I've been I've been reading tweets from you know like from uh, messages from like a lot of the LAFC community right who, who now have children and who are thinking about what uh, Gigi meant to him and to understand that loss from a parent's point of view from someone who I love and respect is it goes beyond even my understanding of what true loss feels like. And I think um, the entire Los Angeles community is really um, coming coming around this because it's so important that they honor the man. And they, they I think the grieving process must, it, as it's been going through, like it needs to be, it needs to happen. It's so important that it does. And I think um, I've, the the scenes around Staples Center have been, have been ridiculous, ridiculous to see Man, it's just like every age of person and every every walk of life being influenced by this one man. But that's the platform that he he obtained, right? And um, that he possessed. And just to see what was going on through that was really um, heart wrenching and beautiful, and, and a good tribute to yeah, a good tribute to uh, the man that Kobe was and represented. So often when I think of death, I think of like. I mean, public death. I think of like rappers and musicians that have died. Like that's so common, yeah. right? Like as all of us who loved rap music, hip hop music. You know, we remember hearing about Tupac's death. We remember hearing about Biggie, and then what happened with Nipsey? Like, you know, less than a year ago, it was like really moving to be in LA at that time. Uh, you felt like this. I don't know. It was it was complicated and in a similar way in a different way because he was so he was so local i remember being like people didn't understand outside of la what nipsey hustle meant or who nipsey hustle might even have been he wasn't like that commercial artist had only recently released his first commercial album um and you know that was a that was that was the biggest la death i had ever experienced i think uh up until that point <clears throat> and obviously like it goes without saying you know you can't it's not about you know, the weight of the impact of some public person's death's not all equal and it doesn't mean lives I'm not the point being that Kobe was a global hero like a global icon icon but he was a global difference maker like he you know he (coughs) you know back back talking about China it's like having lived there like there were still so many China's such a huge market for basketball and basketball so the love of basketball has helped China, I believe, like in a huge way, integrate with the rest of the world community, a country that had been isolated for so long. Good shit, yo. 
Basketball, yeah. yeah. No, basketball is probably the most important tool in like Chinese like relation with the rest of the world in like the modern last yeah. hundred years, right? And how many kids' favorite player was Kobe? Yeah. Like everybody. People love talking about the players that were playing for sure, but like so many of these kids were just Kobe heads, you know, yeah. like through and through. And you'd see the jerseys everywhere and like to be so far from LA when I was living there and in China and like constantly talking back and forth is like that was like a constant it's an Angelino like outpost no matter where in the world you go. This figure he meant something about Los Angeles to the world too. Yeah. And I do think that there was like, you know, there's all those things that we sometimes talk about on the podcast, the cliches that people say about LA and the this sort of like glitzy part that that blinds people or distracts them so much that they don't see the heart and soul underneath this city same could be said for that individual you know um things about his story (coughs) catch you know certain human tendencies to look at or like this you know whatever but beneath it all like you were saying about Jeter him like always hiding like Kobe seemed to like always be there and, like, if we're going to talk religiously for a moment, um, what's sort of incomprehensible about it is, you know, like the way that I understand faith, although I'm not a man of faith in the traditional sense for sure, like, <coughs> God is sort of, like, always there, you know? And I'm not, and I don't mean to for those people who are religious, like, compare Kobe to a God, but he's a presence in the city, even when the city's not there, for example, when I was in China, and he's a pre- and he's a presence even when you're in the city, even if he's not playing or he's not in it, he's like this this thing that will appear. And to be honest, he just appeared at Bank of California Stadium ten days ago, on Media Day. I got the email to come to Media Day. I even ran around Bank of California Stadium on Media Day. I had a bunch of other shit going on that day in my personal life, and I couldn't go to Media Day, and I had already figured I had met Kobe once already, and that was pretty cool. Didn't know if I'd, you know, how interesting it'd be. But, like, looking at the videos and him talking and through all that, it's like, yeah, of course, of course Kobe would get involved, right? Of course Kobe would find a way to get involved. Of course he'd talk to our academy players the way he did that day. Of course he'd, like be part of the enthusiastic push for this sport in this country. I mean, isn't it interesting also that we, we talk so much about basketball and football on this podcast. We talk about the similarities between the sports, the fluidity, the global nature, the, the way that there's, like, so much crossover, even between players that are fans of the yeah. other, right? Like, football fans are fans of basketball. Basketball fans are fans of football. Um, and the way that these two sports are sort of like weaving together the world through sport. Um, like, you know, for him to also be a such a staunch like advocate for this sport and for yeah. him to be good at it. Like yeah. watching that dude with the ball, right? Like, you know, it's a, it's a very personal and probably irrelevant on the grander scheme of things, but that was something that always endeared me to Kobe was that I was like, yo, he grew up in Italy. Yeah, yeah. like for some of his life he loves Barcelona like he's got fo- you know what I'm saying and so I would see Kobe this presence of the city that I love with the sport that I love and conti- that continual like synergy and endorsement of these great things these great forces I thought was always like a way that made him to me 
as someone who doesn't follow the NBA as closely as Pearson, Slim, or Josh, like, he superseded the NBA to me yeah. already, like, from the get-go. And, like, I know this isn't about comparison or whatever, but, like, Jordan and this, you know, I know his, his, his iconography is on a shoe, and he did great things for Chicago, but, like, Jordan, from what I remember, has sort of, like, disappeared off the scene. Like, he's just sort of, like, and, you know, to each their own, but <laughs> I had a, you know, I had a buddy who ran security for certain types of operations and maybe saw Michael Jordan in some rather less than ideal less than ideal scenarios that probably would make the things Kobe was accused of like quite minuscule in nature and like there I know there's probably plenty of hearsay around celebrities all over the world but the point being just like you know as someone who lives in the city and constantly notices its interpretations abroad and things like that you know what is that what does that leave us yeah. <laughs> who represents LA now you know and of course the answer is like still Kobe obviously even though he's not around but it's it leaves a huge void yeah. and maybe that's part of this like grieving process is like knowing how to fill that not even fill that role because you can't fill that role but like wondering maybe about like who's gonna hold the torch for LA because the torch has like Vela! <laughs> and every time he curls it in with that left foot I'm gonna be yelling Kobe <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's funny beautiful. you say that because I had literally been like you know someone asked me earlier today like well who would you connect like with Kobe in soccer and I was like, like you can't tell baby. me, you can't tell me that left curler doesn't look a lot like a baseline fadeaway. Hey. With that curve, yeah. I mean, come on now. Curve it in. Do it! I'm yeah, sorry. But, with, yeah. The only thing <laughs> I would say is just like... <laughs> <laughs> you think about the curve of that dick as you yeah, curve yeah, your fucking head? As I'm, as I'm trying to curve this conversation real quick. <laughs> no, but it's like, I mean, we, we you brought up, I think, um, Nipsey's last, last, last year and... Um, mm-hmm. I think uh, LA LA Taco put out a, an article being like, there are Nipsey hustles around you everywhere, and I think that's something similar as as, as beloved sons of Los Angeles like, and it's so sad that Kobe um, is gone just a year after you know less than a year after Nipsey is, but uh, to to highlighting the people who are doing good you know in the community and in Los Angeles who love this thing, and that they're that these people have been working towards and I think I, I loved it because it was a, a simultaneous look at the present day but also a challenge to those who had always you know like a challenge to those people to, to, to aspire to those things right and I think those are the really cool things like when you talk about who's going to bear the torch next I think it's got to be a shared effort and it's got to be something that the entire LA community not even just the sports community but everyone has to do together to, to really realize like damn this guy was good like we need to we need to get to that level you know I think think that's been one of the more beautiful things as the outcome of this is a lot of people that really understood the Mamba mentality when they were younger were refreshed about that like through this tragedy they're reminded to to have Kobe's legacy go on through them trying their hardest at you know whatever they're trying you know what I mean and that's to move the the needle on a on a level of like the millions is i mean what kind of le- what more legacy does anyone want yeah. to inspire people to work that hard to yeah. to 
to push it when and they even don't like um, I forget who said it. it might have been LeBron but they were saying like yeah like nobody was it wasn't like a league round thing to like wake up at 5 a.m. 4 a.m. and shoot around and practice and be the first to show up until Kobe made it cool to do that you know what I mean right he made working hard cool which yeah. is yeah like, he made it so cool that you take it for granted that it wasn't cool before yeah like that's how big of an impact it was like if you're like oh wait what do you mean it's always been cool that's the kite that's the type of change the flip that Kobe made yeah which, I mean, like, Nipsey falls in line with that. Like, so many things, like, it's about working hard, like, and if there's anything to be said about, like, that, even, like, an uptick in the, the spirit of, like, American ingenuity or, like, hard work, it's, like, these are our, man, our heroes of that, right? Yeah. Like, whatever this country, the problems it has, the problems the city has, it's, like, you did feel like every day you could get up and do something here because you had easily ready made examples of people who did shit that was hard and they did it consistently and they did it on a scale that was unmatched yeah Pierce any any more thoughts there you're just grinning over there in the corner you got your yeah. Lakers I know you got your Lakers warm up on today I've seen so much Lakers gear the yeah. last how incredible is that man? how beautiful is that yeah I've been touring assisted living facilities um and everybody even there at the assisted living facilities had whipped out their Lakers gear for the occasion. People who had been on the older tip. We talk about our generation, but I think even folks that were older were like... You were at a hospital, man. No, There's not many people that love the Lakers more than the Filipinos in L.A., you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> Shout out. Shout, Shout out. out. No, I, I remember. Like, it was when I was in sixth grade, my best friend was uh, this Filipino kid, and it was a family thing. Like, you know, Koreans not... Not as much festive as in the sports, but when I, whenever I, I was at my boy Ronald's pad, like, a Lakers game was lit. Yeah. So, shout out to all the Filipino fans, too. Yeah, hell yeah, man. I mean, the universal language of things, right? I think being able to put on someone's shirt like that yeah. is really, it's really us and, and musicians, right? I, I mean, and us, we, it's, it's a pure aspect of that. It's just like, <laughs> you put on the damn fucking shirt that you played in, you know, and then you go out and it gives you... In all the marketing sense, it gives you all the, the power and all the pride that of it, that goes into a team. And for you to be able to wear that as tribute and just seeing, man, purple and gold just march up these streets is... It's, incre- it's an incredible tribute to the man. And let's be honest, purple and gold is a ugly-ass combination. <laughs> Only because the love of the Lakers is so big here do those colors make sense together. <laughs> and I mean, that that night looking at the bill, I, I don't know if they're still lit up. I didn't check the last two nights, but the night, the night up, everything was lit up. Yeah. Even like, there's this new, I think it's like a side of a parking garage next to the 10, right when you transfer from the 110 South, like there's like these like little wavy neon, all those are purple and gold. Like everybody's shit, anyone could turn anything purple and gold, they were doing it. Yeah. So if you don't live in LA, that's shit what, what it's like right now. <laughs> well said, Dweez. And on that note, we'll take our second break and be back with some tea time. I burped while I said tea time. Smelling, we're getting to tasting today. That's right, Slim Biggity. We got <laughs> no smell cups today because these people already know what tea smell like. I don't gotta teach them twice. I thought you said Slim was bigoted. <laughs> 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 and that's, this is slim true. Biggity? 
Yeah, Slim is not bigoted. Yeah, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever, that's too big he's, of a word. I don't know even what you guys are talking about. Slim's not bigoted, he's just. Ooh! You like Thanks, that? Sachi. How you guys like this? How you like me now? I feel like I'm in Phoenix me? right now. Damn. Alright, Slim, well, would, would you want to read? Would you want to read for a, the. This is a dumb fucking joke. That's a dumb fucking joke. Because it's Phoenix Oolong, guys. It's Phoenix. You get it? That's great. You get it? Oh. I feel like I'm in Phoenix. No, I got hey, it. Hey, Slim. I got it. Do you want to read? We all the... got it, Pierce, okay? I don't think... <laughs> that's not, not the issue here. Do you want to read for the good people yeah. what the tea we're <laughs> yeah, drinking today is? <laughs> 2019 Yashi Duck Shit. <laughs> what the fuck? Single ancient, ancient tea Phoenix Dan Kong Oolong. Dan Song. So, like... Dan Song Oolong. Well, their C's. Yeah. All right. Their C's sound like S's, guys, apparently. Um, so this is like, what? The tea leaves fell in some duck shit? So I've been dying <laughs> to get some of the duck shit fragrance uh, Phoenix Oolong for a long time. You got us out here fucking eating duck ass? You guys all just said the shit was delicious, and now just because it's called duck shit, you ain't trying to come on this with this ride with me? This is probably how coronavirus started. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Oh God! So we are drinking the duck shit fr fragrance of the Phoenix Oolong. This is seriously happening. This isn't a joke. Slim just read the packaging. My my lady at Emen hooked uh, Sach up with you know the birthday the birthday supply. The it was birthday time. Duck booty. It was time to get a re up on Phoenix Oolongs, and I've been dying to have this one. It's <laughs> If you want to dive further into Phoenix Oolongs, you Google dive that shit. That ass. Google that shit yourself. It's basically like a world within the world of within the world of tea. Like it's called the rectum. Tea is a world, and then Oolongs <laughs> a world, and then Phoenix Oolongs a specific world. It has a lot of different fragrances based on where the teas are grown. There's these two, and just one of them happened to receive the name. One of them's called City Gates. One of them's called you know Red. Whatever. <laughs> Duck shit is for sure the weirdest. Or most disturbing sounding one, and it's actually one of the most delicious. Sachi uh, out here, dude. Just just playing jokes. <laughs> the so, Dweez out here. <laughs> I genuinely believe that Dweez wanted duck shit. No, yeah. I didn't. Yeah. Give me more duck shit. I mean, Sachi. it's because it's, it's delicious. <laughs> 2020, we've had a rough start to the year. Uh, Please yeah. continue to gift Dweez some tea. This has been some of the most enlightening parts of this podcast experience. I used to, I used to just be like, man, how come he only get a gift and no one, Slim and I don't get a gift? But at this time, I just want more tea, bro. I want, I want Dewey to be happy with his induction tea, and uh, really go forward like that, man. We take Henny bottles and like Class A Azul bottles and Don Julio bottles as well. If you guys are feeling inclined, this is actually delicious. This is ridiculous. Right? Delicious. Yeah, this is one of the. It's it's one of the you best. Hear that, parties. ladies? Josh eats ass. <laughs> Slim and Alice gotta stop with this. This man is ready for children thing because that's not that doesn't fly right I now. I mean, eating okay. ass and having children are like way separate things. They're in the same category. Right? <laughs> I don't know. Once you start having children, I don't think you're eating much ass. <laughs> so is that how it goes? I don't know. I don't know if you're just diving into the ass lane. It's more of like the you you taking shits with the door open type swag. If you thought that the eating ass conversations were coming on this podcast only when it was the day of the apocalypse, then you've come to the right place because we're in the apocalypse episode. We are just enjoying the hell out of it. Uh, we've never been so happy to welcome the apocalypse here. Um, <laughs> what the fuck is going on today? So in all 
honesty, I think you know all of us have had some 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 waves lately, right? We've been riding some waves. Uh, I wanted to first of all give a shout out to way too many nice people who wished me a happy birthday. Hey. Uh, this past week was my birthday, which was pretty cool to like receive so much love from the LAFC community and people who listen to the podcast and people who just hit me up. I'm learning how to use Instagram Messenger, which has been real yeah. cool for me. If Dweez doesn't <laughs> respond to you on the DMs and IG, it's not because he's a fucking asshole. As smart as this caller is, he's fucking an idiot on a fucking social media platform. I'm about to, to text Dweez to be like, hey, you're you're... You should really respond to some of them because <laughs> they're directly addressing you, and uh, I think people are taking offense to the fact that you don't care. Yeah. But I know that you don't, you you do care, and so let's figure this stuff out together. You know? Well, I care deeply, and um, <laughs> I'm happy here to announce that my deep caring is going to continue on all platforms. Wow! Look at <laughs> that all messaging systems, social uh, dweez, especially the duck shit flavored uh, oh messages. Good if you can Lord, send some duck shit flavored messages, I will check them. Now the you're just gonna get like duck assholes in your DMs. It's, it's gonna be weird. Is that an emoji? New emoji? In the I don't update? know, but I'm gonna look for one tonight. <laughs> <laughs> duck shit emoji. If you guys find anything close to that, please DM Dweez with that. Any requests you might have on the tweet tea we're, tweet we're drinking. So <laughs> you just said tweet. tweet. You just, just said tweet. Wrong in like four different ways. <laughs> Jesus, we're falling off the hinges right now. We are falling off the hinges, but guess what? That's what the apocalypse episode's all about. <laughs> and you know what else? Uh, I found out about Kobe. I promised I'd only mention his name one more time. Well, I was in the emergency room which I was in for five days on account of uh, one of my parents, the only parent remaining after my other parent recently passed. So Dweez has had a genuine level of personal apocalypse in his life recently. And, uh, you know, I, to be honest, like, I don't always know how much to reveal about these sorts of things on the podcast. But one day back in, I don't know, September, October, we had a soapbox with some guys and I, like, mentioned something about um shout out the noob pod boys yeah shout out to the noob yeah i mentioned something about how like if you're dealing with some shit and you're trying to hold it from other people and not tell people about it you better just fucking let it out because mm. it's going to come out one way or the other well it turns out like people came up to me and you know a lot of people who like the podcast come to me and i had a friend and gentleman come up to me and he said you know i really like the podcast but like this one moment where you're talking about this like really helped me and i was like pretty shocked because when we started doing this podcast i thought hopefully people will listen to one episode and if they listen that'll be amazing and that's kind of where our expectations were <laughs> and uh somehow we're still here a year later uh almost exactly a year later isn't that right yep. this will be our this week will be our january 30th was the date our first podcast was released so this, of course, the Apocalypse episode turns out to be our anniversary episode, too. It's only right. The only, the only right. And um, Where else are you getting this from in the podcast content? <laughs> One year of listening, we've reached the Apocalypse. This is incredible. <laughs> FCFC experience right here, y'all. Everybody die. Yeah, thank you. For, so We know the numbers, how many people listen. You're all on this ride with us. So I, you know, again, I don't know, I don't know always what to say, but... Uh, I recently started personal therapy, first time ever doing it. Beautiful, second second beautiful. visit was right before the podcast, and I told my therapist, I said, hey, I don't know how much of my personal life I should be revealing to people. Sometimes I feel like I overdo it. I get concerned that I'm laying it on a little too thick. Mm-hmm. And you know what he told me? It's my story, and I can do whatever the fuck I want with it. <laughs> and so 
I will. Good. And part of that story involves the wildest birthday imaginable ever in a million years. And uh, I hope that no one ever has a birthday like this. But I do want people to know how it feels to be split in half uh, by like the reality unfolding around you as your own personal apocalypse goes. So while I'm getting great loving messages from the LAFC community and friends and people saying happy birthday, like it's, it's always, I don't know, it feels great when people say happy birthday. It's, small, it's a small thing, just on your yeah. you're like, thank you. Believer, big believer in that. Doesn't, doesn't yeah, even, you're like, it's great basically time. like saying like, I'm glad you came into the world. Mm. You know, it's kind of like a low-key thing. But while that was happening, my family had filed a missing persons report because my mother was on the loose. And by on the loose, I mean she walked out of a psychiatric ward. Uh, White Memorial Hospital in Boyle Heights. Go fuck yourself. That is the worst hospital ever. And if you have family or people you care about, do not let them, please, and in all seriousness, do not let them go to this hospital. These people were like nincompoops from the beginning. And they were nincompoops to the end. Um, Anyways, uh, they neglected to tell us that she had gone, even though she had a serious mental condition. Uh, We had to file a missing persons report some 12 hours later, thanks to sheer miracle of technology and having find my iPhone on an iPad. Literally the only reason we found her. Uh, And we only had the iPad because we were using it to watch movies on our trip to Nicaragua. We uh, were able to locate her at a hotel on Soto and Cesar Chavez, right there in the heart of Boyle Heights. Um, and a nice gentleman there was letting her stay despite the fact that she didn't have any money to pay for the room and wow. told us that the police were coming in the morning. Mm. I am going to stop short of saying what the state of the room was like when we walked in there because I don't want to disturb our listeners, but it was really fucking gnarly. And uh, we had to eventually convince her to go over to... Um, to come to the ER, she didn't want to do that. We've got over to UCLA, much better hospital. If you have family and loved ones, especially those, those going through mental conditions, mental problems, please bring them to UCLA hospital because these people know what the fuck they're doing and they're great. Uh, so we were in the ER up until about six in the morning. We finally got her admitted. Um, <coughs> so it took like a full 24 hours of crazy birthday madness. And um, I share this because in addition to the fact that Pops died last month, in addition to the fact that we lost his family dog of 15 years, uh, uh, 10 days after that, it can genuinely often feel like the fucking apocalypse is here. I'm not joking. Um, we all know like how personal tragedy works. Like You feel like your problems are the only problems in the world and no one else will understand and your shit you know, happens to be more extreme than other people could ever get and you sort of put yourself into this isolated isolated little prison and you don't tell people about what's going on and you don't want to you know ruin their day and you also don't think they understand anyways and before recording tonight josh and slam were both like yo man you good to record like can you do it and the truth is like and i'm not wanting to make it seem like this is just like a therapy session for me but i genuinely feel better being around these people being around these moments and i got to go to the game in penural on Saturday, uh, we got to leave the ER uh, for a few hours to come check out Carlos. Continue to do what Carlos does. Adrian Perez, my LMU teammate, continue to do what Adrian Perez does. And uh, I didn't work. Um, I just was in the stands with my people, with the wifey, and it was fucking amazing, man. Like for 
90 minutes just screaming, just being a doofus, just jumping, just ooing and aahing and singing the songs and seeing the people, right? Seeing the people. Some of whom were like, happy bladed birthday, Dweez. I'm like, how is my birthday still following me? On the most, the, the most <laughs> cursed birthday ever. Uh, how is it still following me? You know, but like, it was just, it felt like, you know, as much as so many things were going wrong, and this is that whole split, being feel like you're split in half feeling is like, you know, you're still alive, right? Until you're not anymore. Like the apocalypse is over soon enough anyways, right? You're still alive until you're not. And if you're still alive, like you might as well be doing shit that you love and shit that you care about and yeah. be around people that, um, even if you don't think they have any interest in your personal situation and maybe you're just buddies with them and you share beers and you talk football, um, they care. And people genuinely give a shit about each other. And even more than that, like being out and being around other folks helps remind you that like the world's still spinning mm. despite the fact that yours seems like it has crumbled and i know a lot of people might be feeling that based on you know all the things going on right now and it does seem to be a weird amount of a, a weirdly heavy dosage of those things of late but uh if you're listening to this podcast and you've become a part of our extended fcfc family whether as a guest or as a listener here in la or just as someone we know or someone we've never met some of in some place like be aware that whatever like things that are on your plate um those things are temporary those things are moving and there's a whole army of people that you might not even realize are there that are are there to support you yes, and sir. and be there and there's no reason no reason to avoid feeling sad no feels to fo- avoid feeling down no such thing as a bad feeling but uh you know also keep in mind at the same time that the as bad as things get like we're still here you know yeah even if we got duck shit up in our mouths hey we talk about community a lot you know because LAC really has that as a pillar but like community is two-way street every way we see it man it's like as important as match days are to us you know I think um, speaking for the three of us like we can really uh, four of us here we're we're ready to, to kind of if you need to talk something out, you need to talk something out. Like we're we're here for you. Like we've always said from day one, like we're here because of the LAFC community, and um, we're trying to figure out as we go along, like what that looks like. And I think this is a big thing. It's just like to continue to talk through it, and then there are good people ready to listen and to say happy birthday, mm-hmm. and to do the important things from uh, from each checkpoint. But uh, understand, like real life happens, and the shitty parts of life are inevitable. Yeah. I mean, we forget that, right? Ready for metaphor time? Metaphor time with tea with Louise. Here in LA, we have a we have a hard problem with weather because we never really have it. Does not rain a lot in Southern California. It, would you say it never rains? I would not. I don't know what you're talking about, Josh. Uh, clouds. I mean, I come out the door every day, and it's just like there's just nothing going on cloud-wise. Very rarely is there fog. Um, and part of it is, like, we don't know what to do when there is bad weather because we're like, oh, my God, there's rain. The driving is horrible. People freak out, right? I do think 
that people in LA also genuinely have a harder time when like shit goes wrong because they're so used to it being sunny and clear outside. Sure. I think that's like, you know, but you would never like get pissed at the rain for falling, you know? It's like, <laughs> fuck you, rain. You even call, think about it, we even call it bad weather. Yeah. We call it bad, what a weird concept to say like, it's bad. You're bad weather. There's no such thing as good or fucking bad weather, right? This guy's doing what it does. Fucking ride the waves, y'all. <laughs> ride the waves! Get out with the binaries and shit. <laughs> it ain't good or bad. It's living, bro. It's if living. If wants to get that first FCFC tattoo, that's that's what you're gonna tat is. Uh, this guy's gonna do what it does. Ain't no such thing as bad weather. Oh man, I love it, man. <laughs> Anybody else want to spill some beans? Pierce, tell me something. It's just it's there's so much, man. But uh, I don't know. Well, I'm glad you called me. Pierce only is only on the podcast today because he called me in support of my current situation. <laughs> and I was like, hey, you want to come on the podcast? He's like, you know what? I'm going to make that happen. That's Dewey's answer to everything. You want to come on the podcast? It's a good, it's a good answer. It's my no, man, second it's... answer to everything. The first answer is tea. No, I'll be, I mean, of course, <laughs> of course, uh, you know, I, me and Dewey's have a, a long history together, and he's been there for me plenty of times when I've had my challenges and you know we we've gone through things that have been rough together so there's a, a history and a trust there and to be honest uh you know i felt like i hadn't been in communication with him a lot lately you know we both have a lot going on holidays are always a really tough time of year and uh yeah, frankly, when I found out about your pops, like, I got plenty of good memories, you know, with his dad and with his family, going back on plenty of skiing trips, and, you know, I can, we shared a lot of good moments and a lot of bad ones, and to know that I hadn't been calling or checking in on him enough kind of upset me a bit. I mean, that was never, if I was in his shoes, hell yeah, I'd want him near me. So... Yeah, I just I hit him up today because I knew I needed to. Come on your friends' podcasts, make them feel better. Call them, reach out. I mean, in this in this generation and era where things are so easily communicated via text, right? The the personal touch of making a call and and you know just checking in on somebody uh, makes a big difference. Um, yeah, I think uh, my boy Jeremy like probably a couple months back we could have easily just we're planning something um and instead of texting he called and at the end of it he's like hey isn't this so much better to just call and talk to somebody instead of text and then i kind of thought about it and i was like yeah like that that it like a lot of technology and stuff it's just dehumanizing Mm -hmm. what you know our, our experience in life like you know dealing with the whack worker at McDonald's and instead you're you're on a kiosk ordering your food and little things like that it's it's part of your day that that usually you know used to be communicated where yeah like I, I went here and or this worker did this this and that it's it's kind of part of you know your daily life and your experiences and things you share with people and little things like that get taken out through technology in any way that we can make ourselves human again whether it's a FaceTime call or a phone call just to communicate and 
check in on somebody and it does make a difference now so you know as people let's let's try and and do more of that like connecting the dots per se yeah i mean a huge part of our shit as we've had my family's had like their various tsunamis the past like four or five months has been um we were all texting each other and the amount of like resentment and like hate and like oh why isn't this person doing more why isn't this person doing more that like starts brewing and the amount of sore thumbs it's like, dude, just get together. As soon as you see them, you're like, oh, shit, we're all in this together. We're yeah. all working on it. Like, no big deal, right? Or, you know, if you, if you can call, great. Better yet, fucking go see somebody. Yeah. Because yeah. It's, yeah, it makes a huge sure. difference. And, you know, there's increasing, increasing more reasons. Like some said, he just sits at his, you know, you just stay at home. You just, there's more and more reasons to just be at home. You yeah. can just leave it, live at home. But, yeah. like, you know, and I think, you know, me and Slim have talked about the potential of doing like video pods, and maybe we will do that at some point and have like calls that way. We need some makeup artists and shit. Yeah, these getting mugs already made for these no. radio faces. That's why we do a podcast, motherfuckers. No, but getting except maybe Josh. Yeah, Josh has got a good He's sexy. He's got a good TV host face. Yeah, I was about to remark on that. <laughs> I'm glad you know where you about, I'm, I'm glad your church retreat taught you about humility last weekend. We didn't come here this time. Oh, okay, huh? shit. Somebody to preach to you. <laughs> no, but we've talked about it, but but like the I think that what would get lost unfortunately is like having someone physically in the backyard and missing even out on that like little 3D interaction would kind of would kind of if we do like a video call with someone and we're interviewing them now. Yeah, so it's a bad idea video I'm open bro. to it all. I'm just saying. <laughs> people want to see us, bro. The people want to see us. They've asked, Josh. And I told them we will be putting you front and center. Yeah. Good. That's about time. It's just going to be your place. <laughs> oh, this. Oh, man. Anywhere else to go, guys? Uh, please go get your duck shit fragrance tea. Duck shit fragrance tea. Sachi, thank you for the duck Sachi, shit fragrance Sachi, tea. Sachi, Sachi, and on that note, we just finished eating some duck ass. Um, this has been another episode of the FCFC pod. Thank y'all for being here. And it was a little dark, but we needed to let it out somehow. So if you guys are feeling a little darker because of us today, sorry, move on. There is no such thing as an apocalypse. Look at that. Uh, I don't know what to say to that. This is the end. Or it's the beginning. Bye. It's neither. Non-binary. <laughs> FCFC FC 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 FC